Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Welcome inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg and there's some new uh, leadership going around college football these days, Chris, especially in the Big Ten, where Kevin Warren has stepped into Jim Delaney's shoes as the new commissioner of one of the most important conferences in all college sports. Well, it's it's huge news because for a couple of reasons. One, we've known that Jim Delaney's stepping down. He's been the commissioner of the Big Ten since 1989, and since Mike Slive's um, stepping down as the SEC commissioner and his subsequent passing, uh, there's no doubt Jim Delaney has been the most influential and most powerful um, it, it, it commissioner uh, in in the college football. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, when you when you look and have a guy that comes in like Kevin Warren, it, it's also big because he's the first African American uh, commissioner in a big five conference. We, we see a few athletic directors, you know, coming around. We, we know about the coaching situations. Um, but to have someone in a power broker position uh, like him is, uh, is, uh, is, is, listen, he's the first one. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that is a little bit of a groundbreaking. And um, so I think it's well noted. He is an intriguing guy. Um, Speaking of Mike Slide, he has a had a strong connection to the late Mike Slide. Um, he graduated, did Kevin from Notre Dame, got a job in a law firm. When Mike Slide left the NCAA, he started a law firm that basically represented colleges in their fight against the NCAA. <laughs> and Kevin Warren was hired as on his legal team, and so he became kind of an understudy. And that's where he, you know, when people say, boy, you coming from the NFL and what has he done and this, that, and the other, he really learned a lot. Um, and it's got a very eclectic background because he has spent a lot of time in the NFL, obviously with the Vikings, but he spent time with the Lions as their uh, senior vice president of business operations and general counsel. He spent some time with the Rams and their vice president of player programs and legal counsel. So he's got NFL background, but, but he also learned a lot, obviously working with the NCAA, with with schools and their fight against the NCAA working um, under Mike Slide. Not when Mike was commissioner of the SEC, but before Mike took the SEC job. So uh, very interesting guy um, and, and certainly um, actually uh, he's got a lot of friends in Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, and he are very close. Uh, it's interesting, um, interesting hire. And, and, you know, the key at this position is certainly a legal background is important, 
you've got to negotiate TV contracts, which which is really important. And you gotta you gotta get a lot of eagles with a lot of these university presidents, these academic, you know, um, academicians, you know, you know, kind of walking along the same path, so to speak. So it's quite a bit of a challenge, but it is certainly groundbreaking news. And congrats to, to Kevin Warren and obviously in a very, very powerful position and can make the case that he is the has the biggest power position of anyone in college athletics at this point that um, from uh, is, is an African-American uh, is the the highest uh, ranking uh, African-American in terms of college athletics. So uh, congrats to him and congrats to the Big Ten. And uh, we'll certainly cheer him on and hope that uh, he can do great things. Well, does he have the influence that he might need to kind of sway the committee in terms of the college football playoffs? Because we know that Jim Delaney has a ton of influence and and he advocated for years about the lack of the Big Ten champion getting in. And, and I know there have been years where another Big Ten team has gotten in, not the Big Ten champion. We saw that with Ohio State replacing Penn State. But if it comes down to a situation this year where a Big, team, Big Ten team might not get in, will he do what Jim Delaney did and be outspoken about his conference? Well, I don't know if he'll be outspoken. I don't know enough about his personality, but of course he doesn't have the same type of influence. Jim is, was in that position since 1989. Um, he's not going to carry that type of influence. Neither is Greg Sankey uh, as influential as Mike Slive was. Uh-huh. That's just, just the reality of it. It takes time. You've got to earn your respect. Um, I do think that he will represent the wishes of the Big Ten. I think he's going to fight for the Big Ten, but it's like anything else. Do you have? Does he have the connections uh, in this industry, like Jim Jim Delaney? Well, you, you could make the case that no one does, mm-hmm. uh, quite to the level of Jim Delaney, because he's just been there that long. So of course he's not going to have that. But in his own way, I think he'll have whatever influence that he has to have um, as they go forward and try to. Maybe, um, and that's part of the process of trying to get, you know, on board and and dealing with a political element where you're going to have leagues that, um, you know, you're going to have perhaps uh, power brokers within the Big Ten. If that conference keeps getting shut out, you're going to hear a lot of that. The Pac-12 is under that same situation, but they're under probably the worst leadership among the Power Five, and they have less argument for a team getting in in recent years because of the conference being down. But I do think that um, further omission of a conference champion for maybe a second team in the same league, you know, is certainly going to continue to uh, resonate with, hey, we need to expand, we need to expand, that type of talk. Is he going to have the same type of clout is Jim Delaney? No, but he certainly will will speak up, I think, when needed. Mm-hmm. And there are other ways to do it. There'll be other people within the league that will certainly speak out, uh, including athletic directors of the schools that might be involved. And, you know, sometimes it's not necessarily just the speaking out, Scott. It's the sometimes it's the not speaking out at all, but it's the speaking quietly behind closed doors mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. people to convince that, hey, this is the best for you, too if we go in this direction. so And I think only time is going to tell how effective Kevin is going to be in that role. Yep. Let's stick in the Big Ten, Chris, as we carry on here with our What's Trending portion of the podcast. Ohio State getting a verbal commit from five-star wide receiver for the 2020 class, Julian Fleming. Why is this such a big get for the Buckeyes? 
Well, he's a great player. He was one of the best players that hadn't committed. It came down on Friday. It is not a surprise, so it's maybe not the biggest news in terms of had he been a surprise. I do think that when um, you look at Penn State, it's a tough loss for them. Uh, he's from Catasqua, uh, Pennsylvania. He's one of the top 10 players overall in the class of uh, 2020. He's been compared a lot, and I think accurately so, to Michael Thomas, the former Buckeye. He's got a little bit of the Nikhil Harry build to him. And listen, he was Alabama wanted, Georgia wanted him, Clemson wanted him, Penn State wanted him, and it really came down ultimately to Ohio State and Penn State. But it was a 75-25 Ohio State lean, and he decided that he was going to make his determination uh, at the end of May, and uh, that's what he did in uh, Friday. So since we've spoken on this podcast last, this came down. It's worth mentioning he's a big-time talent, and that's why we wanted to kind of focus on him. He is a big guy that can high-point the ball. He's got underrated speed. Great strength on the ball is, you know, think Michael Thomas and the type of impact he had with the Buckeyes and now with the Saints. This is the type of potential this young man has, which is why it's a big deal in my mind. Yeah, and Brian Hartline is, is not done yet because uh, I've read reports that he's going after another top wide receiver in Mookie Cooper from a kid from St. Louis. I believe. Yes. Uh, so yeah, this is this this could be shaping up to be quite a 2020 class for the Ohio State Buckeyes well, on the offensive side of the are, football. No question about it. I mean, it's it's a great class. It already is. Yeah. And you know it, it it's still early, so the commitments of you know of note like this are big, and the visits are big. Is again, we're on a different cycle as the December day is different than. You know, it's it's already kind of once we get to the season, before you know it, boom. You know, the bowl games are over or bowl games <laughs> are going in place, and all of a sudden you got signing day. So it's right upon you. Uh, there's no question that Ohio State's having a great – Michigan's having a great year in the Big Ten. And certainly Clemson is blowing it out the, the water, as is Alabama, as is Georgia, along with some other schools that uh, we'll mention um, as well uh, in the days and weeks to come. Mm-hmm. Let's move to uh, the ACC because Mac Brown's now at North Carolina, and there's been a lot of questions, Chris, about can he lead a program now? Because let, let, I mean, let, let's be fair, right? He's a, a bunch of years removed from his successful tenure at Texas. He's been out of the game for a little while, but he's still Mac Brown, and North Carolina is doing some. Good work on the recruiting trail. I know you've been documenting it at LandryFootball.com. But can Mac Brown be the Mac Brown that we know from Texas here in North Carolina? Well, he can. He's because he's a CEO guy. He's a salesman. He's hired great recruits, and he's done a phenomenal job. And one of the reasons why we're bringing him up is, you know, when he got the job this past um well, in this past uh, offseason, early part of the offseason, the top quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks in the country is a kid by the name of Sam Howell from North Carolina, was committed to Florida State. He flipped him to North Carolina. So he's their quote-unquote quarterback of the future, big-time talent. Well, the reason why we're bringing this up is guess who just got a verbal commitment from one of the top quarterbacks in the class of 2020, Jacoby Criswell. Uh, and this is a kid from um, 
in the state of Arkansas. Arkansas wanted them. A lot of big-time programs, Alabama, Penn State, Miami. North Carolina gets them. Now, we all know where this is headed with Howell and, and Criswell. They're both going to be in close proximity class-wise, so can you say transfer portal down the road? But, <laughs> but let's just, you know, let's just – sometimes that can work its way out. My point is, is you've got a really good recruiter in Mac Brown. He's always been a recruiter. I've known him since the early 80s when he was an assistant at LSU. He recruited well at Tulane. He recruited at well at North Carolina his first time around, mm-hmm. and he certainly did it at Texas. So, uh, yes, the guy can recruit, and he knows how to hire guys like Tim Brewster and his staff that are also great recruiters. I, I, it's why I wanted to bring it out that this is a big-time quarterback talent, and North Carolina is really – getting it done on recruiting and with that side of the conference being wide open they certainly if they continue to recruit like this for two or three years they're going to be fun to watch and see where this program develops I thought Butch Davis did a phenomenal job of recruiting and coaching of course things went sideways off the field uh, particularly with John Blake his top assistant and getting into NCAA trouble it kind of led to the downfall of Butch North Carolina's got facilities, they've got resources, and they're very capable of being really good in football. And I'm very curious to see what Mac can, and his staff can do on the field coaching because I think recruiting-wise, they're getting it done. Read a great, they, ar- read a great article about Mac Brown and um, a couple of quotes here. One from Brewster who says, quote, I don't know how old he is. All I know is every day he wakes up and his chili's hot. The vision is so crystal clear about what we're going to do here. We know exactly how this thing is going to fall. And -hmm. the other quote is from Mac Brown at a recent event for Boosters. He said, quote, I'm a lot smarter than I was when I left. My body's not as good, but my mind is better. Mm. Well, you know, and listen, he's been through a lot. He's learned a lot. And I I think the key is, you know, doing the groundwork of recruiting is going to be in his assistance. But Mac is a great salesman. He's great at selling a vision. And that includes a lot of influential people involved in the program to really buy into what they want. So, um, listen, it ought to be fun to watch. And I'm very mm-hmm. curious to see how it plays out. It's going to take a while, but I'm curious to see how this recruiting class continues to evolve and what it might look like, particularly in the year 2020 on the field. Um, you know, we'll see where the vision is, how long Mac wants to do it. What, what, how does he you know, build a program? Does he have a vision for the future beyond him being there? All those things are going to be interesting to, to track and follow. Let's move along to our scout's eye portion of the podcast, where in this week we're going to take a look at some of the top defensive lines in the nation. And uh, I, I would assume you could look no further than the Alabama defensive line. But besides the, the tide, Chris, who are the top lines that you're looking at on the defensive side of the football here in 2019? Well, the best, the best defensive line, I think, in the country uh, is Auburn. Uh, so uh, it, as great as Alabama's defensive line is, it, it, going into the season, it's not, it's the second best in their state. Uh, it, it is really loaded because you've got Derek Brown on the interior, yep. uh, Marlon Davidson, J- Junior Nick Cole, uh, Big Cat Bryant, uh, the Moultrie kid, um, uh, Richard uh, uh, Jubinor. Uh, so th- this this really good. Um, you know, Dontarius Russell's going to be tough to replace, but this is a loaded defensive line and uh, I think it's the best in the country uh what is may surprise a little folks is uh, is Michigan State 
has a very good defensive line because Raquan Williams and and Kenny Willicks uh, are really really good. Uh, Mike Pasuzic is a is a big tough run defender. This is a good group with a lot of guys coming back that makes this line really good. I like Ohio State's. I think their defensive line. I think they're they're really good at end. Uh, they go three deep and inside. And Devon Hamilton and Robert Landers. Uh, they're really really good. Then I would go with Alabama with Roquan Davis and LeBron Ray. Uh, they've got a true freshman in DJ Dale that's been really promising. LSU's got an outstanding defensive line as well. I think Notre Dame's defensive line. You want to go off the beaten path. Hey, the best defensive line out west, Utah. Bradley and I, Leaky Fotu, John Penasini, Mika Tufa, Hoati Putahu. Really good group. It's it it could be a little bit better as a college defensive line than people might think. Maybe even top three or four. They're that good. Another off-the-beaten-path type of team, Iowa State. They've got a good confluence of seniors. Jaquan Bailey uh, is really good. Uh, the senior tackle, Ray Lima, is outstanding. They've got a good junior in Iomi Iwazaki. Um, so it's a good group. That, of course, Clemson's very good as well. So those are the top you know, defensive lines that I see in the country. As far as some individual guys that I, I wanted to bring out, the Big Ten has really good ends. Chase, Chase Young, Young is one, yeah. one of the one of three good ends for Ohio State. I just mentioned Kenny Willicks of Michigan State. Uh, we've talked a little bit, I, I know, at LandryFootball.com a bunch, and I think we've mentioned him here, A.J. Appenza from Iowa. So three guys right there of the Big Ten that are very good. Utah Gross Matajos uh, of Penn State's outstanding as well. And Joe um, Gaziano of Northwestern. So Big Ten's got a good group of defensive ends. Roquan Davis of Alabama, Xavier Thomas of Clemson, Julian Aquara of, of Notre Dame, Jabari Janiga of Florida. I mentioned Bradley and I from Utah. Curtis Weaver of Boise is really good. Uh, Alton Robertson, right, um, in your neighborhood at Syracuse, I like is very good. I mentioned Jaquan Bailey of Iowa State. I've mentioned Nick Cole of Auburn. Those are uh, uh, some guys that jump out at me as defensive ends that uh, are returning, particularly in the sophomore, junior, and senior class. Defensive tackles, I've mentioned Derek Brown of Auburn. I've mentioned Roquan Williams of Michigan State. Uh, some other guys I want to mention, Marvin Wilson of Florida State, Justin Matabuki from uh, Texas A&M, Ray Lima, who I've mentioned of Iowa State, Rashad Lawrence of LSU, Lorenzo Neal of Purdue, Mc, uh, McAlvin Akim from Arkansas is very good. Uh, and I've mentioned Leaky Fotu of Utah. Those are some guys that jump out at me among the defensive tackles that I think are going to make a lot of noise this year. And, of course, we've got a little bit more of a complete list at LandryFootball.com. We also got some freshmen that are going to have an impact, and we've tracked those guys as well. We'll save those for another day, though. Let's move to the coaches' corner section, and this is a good topic that we've cooked up here today on the show, Chris. Uh, and I think you guys are going to enjoy this listening at home or wherever you're listening, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, by the way. There's your plug. Uh, there's so many coaches every year that we talk about being on the hot seat. And yeah, after a couple of losses, those conversations are warranted. But every year there's also coaches that come into the season on the hot list. The pressure is on to win 
and win immediately. So looking at the, the nation going into the 2019 season, Chris, who is really on the hot seat before they even play a game? Well, I don't think there's a hotter seat in the country. And maybe it's a tie, uh, you know, but I think Clay Helton, USC, For and sure. Gus Malzahn, Auburn, are the two hottest seats. Um, certainly among the biggest programs. There are other guys that I think are in trouble, but um, I think Gus has to have a really good year. I think Clay Helton has a, have to have a really good year. And if you look at the schedule, it's going to be tough. And how good, don't know. Um, USC is a little different how they do things, as is Auburn, by the way. Um, I don't think Clay's been fully embraced by the USC faith. Everybody likes him. I don't know if they they're as confident in them. I don't. I think that the a lot of people that were very involved in the program thought he should have been let go last year. Lin Swan decided to keep him, so I, I think it's he's clearly maybe on the hottest seat of all. Gus has seemed at, at Auburn has had kind of nine lives. Um, you could see him having a pretty decent year. We just talked about their defensive line. Their defense as a whole is going to be really good. But that uh, this up and down stuff is starting to wear thin. Um, Gus has maybe a little bit tougher contract. I could see him getting another year if he has a pretty good year, Scott. So I would say Clay Helton and Gus Melzahn lead the list. Now, All right, can I put? I, can I? Can I give you my yeah, vote for third? Absolutely. All please. right. Well, if you want to look smaller schools, I'll look in my backyard and I'll tell you Chris Ash is absolutely on the hot seat at Rutgers. But mm-hmm. we'll, mm-hmm. we, we don't even need to waste our time arguing about that. Uh, I think Willie Taggart is absolutely on a scorching hot seat at Florida State. We know his inefficiencies when it comes to being an in-game coach. Uh, And I think that another poor season for the Seminoles, Willie Taggart's out the door. I think it's I think he's definitely on the hot seat. I, I don't I think he gets a third year unless it's a disaster like last year. And it won't be as bad. I think they'll win. I think they'll get bowl eligible, and he's going to survive to the third year, which is why I didn't mention he he, he was the next guy that that mm-hmm. I was going to mention. I the hottest guys are Clay and Gus. I think that they're they're definitely you know I think it's going to have to be a good year for both of them, whereas I think Willie could survive with a decent year. But you're right, another repeat of last year. And they're going to come up with the money to buy him out after two years. There, there's no question about it. But I, I think that he's got a little bit, uh, being that it's his second year, a little bit more time on his hands. And I think that Florida State is not as comfortable with raising the money that some other people will. Uh-huh. So for that reason, I'd put him third. But it, but listen, another year like last year, you're right, he's gone. But I, I, I think that they. You know, like you look in the conference, you look at the, they're very, very capable um, with the young Browse uh, coming in, call, Kendall Browse calling places. They're very capable of at least getting ball eligible and giving them a third year. That's my thought going in. But you're right. He is. Uh, he's definitely on the hot seat. How about an interesting name here? And I think it's one worth talking about as we watch how this season unfolds. Mike Gundy. Well, I think that I don't I don't think he'll be let go. I think he's had enough success now. The, certainly the relationship we see in the athletic director, 
I, I think he survives. You know, listen, there are a lot of people that if you have, and we're not talking about other issues that might lead to some alarming sounds of, uh-huh, you know, the uh-huh. program, you know, off the field stuff. We're talking about just on the field performance. Um, I think he could survive a bad year at Ohio, at Oklahoma, at Ohio State, at Oklahoma State. But I, I do think that there's, you know, been a lot of flirtations with a lot of jobs, which I think he's kind of milked it to get extensions and money. Um, I could see it particularly if, uh, you know, you, you get the, the, the wrong guy, particularly T Boone Pickens against you, then all of a sudden, yeah, I could see him, uh, I could see him uh, possibly being in some trouble, but I, I don't see it necessarily this year. You mentioned Chris Ash. I think that is definitely true. I think Lovey Smith at nine and 28, mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. seasons is one that I'm concerned about. Um, how about this? Let me let me throw a couple of names at you, and I want you to say hot, warm, or cool. Okay. 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 Justin Fuente. Oh, I think it's warm, uh, and okay. I think a a, a very uh, a, a, a season. I think it's it's right now. It's it's not cool. It's not warm, but I think the seat gets warm if they don't have a pretty good season this year. Okay. Um, how about let's go let's go Chad Morris at Arkansas. No, I, I, I think Chad's fine. His, his seat's very it's cooled, is is very cool. Uh the the talent level needs to be completely rebuilt. So he's gonna at least get two to three more years to kind of build the infrastructure. I think we need to look at maybe a guy like a in, in the SEC, for example. I'll give you somebody whose seat's going to get really hot with a bad year. And, and, and I think it's Matt Luke at Ole Miss. I was just going to bring and, him up. Yep. And, and I think that, you know, that could be where it gets warm this year, maybe a little bit tad warm now. And I tell you, a coach that I wouldn't put him warm, but I would take him off the cool side. And Jeremy maybe Pruitt. Have a good year, is Joe Moorhead Ooh, at, at okay. Mississippi State. I thought you were going to say Jeremy Pruitt. No, no, I think Jeremy's, you know, I, I think that that's another rebuild that he's, uh-huh. you know, he's safe for now. But Joe Moorhead inherited a really good program uh, with Dan Mullen. And, and if it looks like he's continued to regress, uh, there's already concern there. And if he has a subpar year this year, um, then I think going into 2020, that seat's not going to be warm. I think it's going to be hot. So I would I would put them under warm. I, I think some other guys that, that, that we need to watch is, you know, uh, a guy like Charlie Strong at South Florida uh, and, and I think Randy Edso at Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Philip Montgomery at Tulsa and, you know, Bob Davey at New Mexico. Um, you know, I'm worried a little bit um, and, and, and hope they could turn things around. But Mike Bobo at Colorado State's another one that – that, uh, you know, again, maybe off the radar for most folks, but uh, I think if you look at some of the big-time programs, um, you know, I, I, I think we, we need to look at, you know, people will say things, well, what about Chip Kitten? No, there's nothing going on there. It's way, way early. And if you look at some of the programs, uh, a lot of them have made the type of changes um, that, that I think there's some stability. There's some people that think, that Steve Adazio's seat could get warm at BC. Oh, he had a great I think year last I year. think that's foolish because I think the guy's an outstanding coach, yeah. 
And, um, you know, I just, I just think it's foolish, you know, um, and if you look at, I'm sorry, do you you think, do you think Kalani Sataki has to win this year at BYU? I I think that is a seat that is getting, uh, you know, from cool to warm. I, I don't think, I think a disaster year could absolutely invoke a change. I think they're capable of getting to a bowl and that would give them another year, but that program has definitely slipped. So mm-hmm. I would, that's a good call as someone that I think is definitely someone uh, in a place we need to watch. So I, you know, you, you, you look at it, you know, people will say, well, Muschamp, South Carolina. I mean, for <laughs> goodness sakes, if they go seven and five, you ought to be coach of the year. I mean, you know, I just, that schedule, I just, I don't, I don't quite get it. So um, a lot of that stuff doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, if you look around the, the Pac-12, a lot of new coaches, a lot of you know successful ones, a lot of experienced ones. I, I think everybody's pretty safe um, with the exception of, of uh, Clay Helton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you look at the, the Big 12, I don't think there's a whole lot happening there uh, in terms of, of potential openings. Um you never know, of course, but uh, I, I think that um, if you're looking at the Big Ten, uh, I think that there's there's uh, not any chance that, for example, Jim Harbaugh's in trouble. I think James Franklin is a guy to watch. I think he's the type that's slick enough to want to get out of town before he gets himself in trouble, meaning I think he the seat could get a little hot. He'd love to make a jump, for example, to USC if they were to have him. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Maryland just starting over, you know, other than Chris Ash and Lovey Smith. Um, I think everybody else is doing a really good job or is pretty early in their stages. So, uh, again, you look at the uh, the Big 12, Kansas, a new coach. Uh, Baylor's doing a good job. Kansas State, a new coach. Texas Tech, a new coach. West Virginia's a new coach. Gary Solid there. Um, Matt Campbell's outstanding. You mentioned Gundy. I don't, I'm not quite buying it. And certainly Oklahoma and Texas are in good shape. So I, you know, I, that's kind of how I see it now among those schools. Um, and, and we'll see ACC, you know, let's take a quick look at and run down everybody there. We talked a, a, a little bit about, um, you know, Steve there. I don't think that's an issue. Georgia tech's got a new coach. We talked about Mac. Um, Duke's done a nice job. Pitt has been solid enough. Miami new coach. I think Justin is, is a bad season would put him on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. Syracuse has done a good job. NC state's done a good job. Wake has done a good job and Louisville, obviously with Scott Satterfield starting over. So, uh, that's kind of how I see it going into the season. Hate to be talking about these guys on the hot seat. That's the reality. reality, Yeah. But, but, but the reality is, is this, this will adjust and there'll be some guys. Maybe it's Sataki. Maybe it's a couple of other guys that, you know, have a disastrous season um, that could really turn things around. And let's call it for what it is, Chris. And, and fair or unfair, the window of, I, I guess you want to say, 
uh, what's a good phrase to put it, but the, the time frame has shortened. Yeah, the window, the window the of win- opportunity is yeah the window of short. relaxness, if you want to if you want to call it that. Uh, the the leashes are now shorter on these coaches than they've ever been. You used to get like five years to build a program. You can't get you can't last that long now. You can't if you don't bring in your guys right away and start winning right away. You're on the hot seat in year two, year three. Yeah, I mean, let me give you an example. Um, and I don't think this is going to happen, but I'm going to throw it out. Here's a guy we would never mention, but if Ryan Day really struggles at Ohio State, uh-huh. they've never had like bad seasons there. If they were to lose four games, you better believe they're in first year they're going to say, "Whoa, you know, this, you know, is this the right guy?" He wasn't you know, ready he'll, for this he'll, job. He'll, he'll have yeah. to he have to make some changes. And next year, yeah, he's, you know, he's, in a, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to have an outstanding year. I think they might be in the hunt for a play, you know, so yeah. I think it, everything's great, but that's a place where you have. Well, look no at Chip Kelly, margin Chip Kelly bad last year. If they're bad again this year, how many more years is UCLA going to give them to turn it around? Well, UCLA will give them a third year regardless. Yeah. But, you know, uh, he'll have to earn a fourth. But, see, they're more inclined to take a guy like Chip Kelly and give him a fourth year. Whereas Ohio State, there's no – I mean, you can't yeah. – you lose four games there. That, I mean, there, there's like – there's panic. UCLA, not so much. They want to win there, but UCLA is not USC. You know, there's not the, the, the panic there. The expectation is not the same. So I think they understand that they're completely rebuilding at UCLA – and I actually think he's done a, going to do a good job and eventually get it going. But to your point, say they only win four games, he he's going to get a third year. Mm-hmm. And you know, let's say they win six, he's going to get a fourth year. Whereas you know, Brian Day couldn't stand to lose four games and come back the next year and lose three games. He he he's gone. It's just it's just a different environment, obviously, and we know the difference between some of the programs that that mm-hmm. expect to mm-hmm. win and compete for championships every year and others that, you know, want to get and build a program to that point. You know, you fans can take advantage of the scouting season sale going on right now at LandryFootball.com to get over 50% off. You get complete breakdown of the college and NFL rosters from detailed film room analysis. You also get player grades, learn how coaches and scouts evaluate players as everyone prepares for the upcoming seasons, and listen to free podcasts every day on LandryFootball.com from college football, including new daily SEC and Big Ten podcasts, to the NFL, to deep into scouting and coaching world. It's all at LandryFootball.com. Right, Chris? Absolutely. We've got our daily notebooks with what's going on around all the OTAs in the NFL, what's going on with recruiting in college football, giving you film room nuggets as I continue to break down all the rosters in college. And that's what we're doing right now. It's like football season. We're breaking down the rosters in college in the NFL, position by position, player by player. So that's what you get. You get inside the film room and you get all that information that Scott mentioned. And again, take advantage of the scouting season uh, special. It's a, it's a great opportunity to get involved 
at a very, very cheap price. And, of course, you can listen to this podcast and all the podcasts right here at LandryFootball.com as well. Don't forget, follow Chris on Twitter at LandryFootball. Follow me at Scott's on Air, And subscribe, rate, and review the College Football Film Room podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or check us out on Believe.com. It's B-L-E-A-V.com. Until next week, Chris. Absolutely, Scott. Look forward to it, buddy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.